Listener Production. My mental image of myself did not pair up with what I saw. I always thought I was fat. Always. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Denise Drysdale is an entertainment icon. The two-time Gold Logie winner has been performing since she was a little girl and she still gets so much joy from making people laugh. I'm also lucky enough to call Nisi my best friend and I wanted to share with you what is so special about this generous and hilarious woman. Oh, Nisi, finally I get you in the studio. I'm very pleased to be here with you, one of my most favourite people in the world. So thanks for having me. Let's talk about friendship because I feel so lucky to have you as such a special friend. I feel lucky to have you in my life because there's a big age difference and as people know, as you get older, it's much harder to make friends. And, of course, we've been friends now since Studio 10, which I think is about 10 years. I reckon it would be. Yeah, so, and I knew nothing about you before I met you. You probably heard me, but nothing. Of course I knew you, ding dong. But we started off in separate dressing rooms and within about a month we're sharing the dressing rooms and laughing before we get to the show, in the middle of the show, quite often getting into trouble to the point of laughing so much they separated us. They put us on opposite side of the couch. And that was the end of me, though, because (laughs) we used to have so much fun, literally from the beginning. But what I think is so very special is often in media, especially in telly, You'll come across people, you'll get on well, but then you'll go your separate ways. You don't keep up friendship. No, but we have. I know, and we've maintained it from Sydney and Gold Coast. And then you've got lovely Pete, your beautiful husband, that as a person watching the two of you, I wish everybody could have what you two have got. And then you've got your two beautiful girls that are just a replica of you, tall and willowy and beautiful. It's a shame they're so ugly. But... um, (laughs) And so it is, it's a lovely thing. And now I stay with you when I come up to Sydney, which is like heaven, because every time I've been away, I stay at hotels, which I hate. But now staying with you is just a big, big fat cherry on the cake. Oh, well, we adore having you. It is so much fun because our listeners would probably like to know, I call Nisi a smuggler. Because Nisi... That's nice, isn't it? Well, in Customs the best... will be on no, the phone in, in a minute. In the best possible way, because tonight for dinner we're having tandoori chicken. <laughs> and what is just, I think, hilarious is you cook the tandoori no, chicken. No, I haven't cooked it. Oh, it's, it's only soaking. Soaking? It's soaking in, you know, Sherwood's tandoori mix, lemon juice and yoghurt. There's no bacteria in the chicken. and it's. A- been, are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> no, all the... 
all those things have got things that kill all the bacteria and so it's been soaking for 48 hours. It's going to be better than your best tandoori at a restaurant. But the only thing I could find to put it in was a big pasta pot which had a a lid that slid on. I put Glad Wrap on it and then put it in a bag and then when I got to the airport, had to tell him, I said, don't put it on its side. I said, it's got tandoori chicken in it. And he looked at me and, of course, as the bag's gone in, the conveyor belt stopped (laughs) And I'm thinking, what would they see through this tin? They'd see these lumps. <laughs> Who knows what they thought? Anyway, it's fine. It was safe. It was safe. It is safe. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. So you're a, a safe smuggler. No, we were <laughs> I'm a safe smuggler, yes. I wouldn't do anything to harm the environment or, the, or anything to do with agricultural pests. <laughs> And next question. <laughs> you were saying, Nisi, how you love coming to stay with us. Yeah. You've spent your whole life pretty much travelling the country, yep. travelling the world in hotel rooms. Well, travelling the world has been for me, except a couple of times where I had jobs for documentaries and everything, but mostly Australia and I have travelled. That was always for work. Every time. Because you don't stop working, though. You have the most extraordinary work ethic, and I want to know where that comes from. I think it comes from Maydowns, also from my parents. Now, Maydowns, explain who Maydowns 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 was a dancing teacher that I went to at the age of three and a half to about 14, but she taught us to give 110%, and probably that equates now to 150%, because I'm... I always like to do my best, hoping that I'm going to get another job. And then mum and dad, mum was one of those workers. She put her head down, bum up, and her place was spotless. The, what she did, it, we had the hotel, she used to have flower arrangements. And dad was a fantastic worker in the pub and then the chicken bar. So, yeah, all along, I used to do the tills for the pub. The tills are the what would the cash, cash register. registers. And the same when I went to the chicken bar, I work with Dad, cooking chooks and serving customers, and I love doing all of that. And so I don't mind a bit of hard work. A bit of hard work? You don't stop working, though. I'll work while people still ask, because it's not like I ring up and say, do you want me to work? I think it's the same with all performers. Is this going to be my last job? And as soon as you think that, then something fabulous, well, in my case, and that's where I've been lucky, something's come up all the time, every time, and I have been the luckiest person in the world as far as that's concerned. And what do you love about performing? Well, on stage, I have a a line that I start, have you got any questions? Because they'll always ask questions. And I go, I've got a question for you. What's the difference between exotic and erotic? Exotic is when you tickle your partner with a feather and erotic is when you use the whole chalk. So they laugh (laughs) and that's at the top of the show and so we're on a roll. And sometimes I'll go out and do the teas and coffees or I'll, and I meet them before the show, stay after the show and we have photos and sell a CD or something. So it's a lovely feeling and you've got to remember those people in the audience have paid to get in They're there because they like you, so you're in that environment and they just are the best audiences. They're just wonderful to me and that's where I get a lot of my hugs and everything like that. (laughs) Now we're laughing because Nisi is not really a hugger. No. Because I I love giving you hugs. Yeah, I know and I love them, but I wasn't brought up being hugged. 
my mum and dad, they were sort of, you know, like that. So I suppose it's me. But I could change. It's a bit late now, though, isn't it? Oh, you're never too late <laughs> to change to try something new. All right, I'll try it from now on. Everyone, when we leave this building, I'll hug every person that I see in oh, the hall. I, you might regret that. <laughs> Because I think one thing that might surprise people, Nisi, is that you're actually shy. I know it sounds funny, but I was like it for a very long time. I'd be doing shows and they'd say, come and meet such and such. And I'd go, oh, no, no, I won't know what to say. So I wouldn't meet them because I was brought up in a Catholic girls' school. So we didn't have mixed with boys. So I really didn't know how to interact. And I was an only child. And so for years, and then I was in the business at an early age, and then so I go somewhere and people would ask me questions and they'd talk about me and I could be animated about that. But I hadn't learned at that stage to say to somebody, and what do you do? And I didn't learn that till I was much older because I just didn't know how to conduct a conversation, which you think is strange, which made me feel a bit hesitant and shy about, you know, meeting people. And how you used to get over that, though, was that you'd be in charge of handing the food around, wouldn't you? Yes, because then I didn't have to talk to anybody. If you're doing drinks and food, you're on the move. And so you don't get cornered or stopped and then you don't have to think about it. Wasn't that terrible? Now they'll know, all those people, all those years. No, they (laughs) won't. Why was she giving us food? (laughs) (laughs) You say on the move, I think that is almost your motto, Nisi. You are forever on the move. You don't stop. You put your head down and off you go. When there's something to do, I'll do it. I can't sit if there's a job to be done. But if there's no jobs to be done, I can very just sit down with a drink, watch the telly and cuddle the dog or the cat. Perfect. <laughs> you don't think that's true, no, do you? No, I don't. That's because I've sat never with seen, you. But you've never seen it. That's because that, there's always a job to do. But that's it. You're always looking for jobs. If you come and stay with us, you want to get, what is it, the wham, bam, um, oh, or wh- bam off? What's it bam. called? Bam. to it's scrub be- my bench top. Yeah, to clean that. It'll get the stains off it. I know. Well, you've got to leave it on for a while. And then you do it with furniture polish and it takes the stains off the table. You know, we were even sitting down for dinner last night and you're looking at the table going, oh, I think, I'm like, no, <laughs> will you just sit and enjoy this meal? By the way, did you get some for home? <laughs> <laughs> and I think as well for, for so many of us, we've grown up with you. People yep. have seen you for so long on the telly, so they feel like they know you. They have this... But they do. That's the thing because... There's never been any secrets. What you see is what you get. I'm too lazy to change and too lazy to be anybody else. It's my voice. I just say what I think now and that's the upside of getting old is that I can say what I feel where sometimes in the past you think, oh, I better not say that might hurt somebody's feelings or it's not the right thing to say. But now because of the way the media is and TikTok and Instagram and Everyone's saying what they think, so I think, well, I can, and I just happen to say it on telly, I suppose. And also to people, because I love some advice that you give me, because I'm never very good at sometimes just saying it as it is. I mm. think, oh, that might hurt someone's feelings, yeah, or no, that you, might but, be the quiet Yeah, but right even thing. if the kids do something wrong, you go, now, darling, don't do that. I've heard, because, because they don't understand how hard it was for you to get your first baby. And that, what's the book that I read with the IVF? Oh, Is This My Beautiful Life? 
anybody that hasn't read it, if you're going through IVF or anything like that, get that book and read it because it is such an insight as to how people feel that try so hard for a baby where other people just breeze through or get pregnant without worrying about it. It's a fabulous book and your kids should read it. I keep saying that and you haven't even got a copy at home. Well, don't you want to go to the library and borrow it? I was going to, I'm going to go, I'll get the one in Rabina and Gold Coast because you can take them for four weeks, bring it down and take it back the next time I'm there. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll get it from the library in Rabina. But I'm a bit worried about library fines though because I almost didn't there's graduate no fi- from uni. There's no fines now. Oh, really? No, all you do is you get in touch and you say, I want to keep this book a little bit longer. And you, do you know you can take out eight, ten books at a time? It's just fantastic. The library is just, and it's a wonderful way of keeping up if you can't afford books, which who can? They're 50 bucks a pop now to buy. And I don't want one on a tablet or I like to hold a book when I read it. I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, we both share a love of reading too oh, and books. It, it yeah. is the best. But we're talking about you, Nisi. Ooh. Yes, I know <laughs> you don't like to do that, but I want to talk about you as well. The past couple of years, they have been tough for you in terms of your health. Oh, God. It was unbelievable because, and this is so true, I used to say, I wonder what God's got in store for me when I was younger. Well, I reckon he was saving it all up. I got to 69. I had nothing wrong with me, nothing. Then all of a sudden, everything, it was like they started at the top with the detached retina and went down the whole body and had the knee replacement. And then I, I, But we don't want to go through that. And then the worst one was the triaminal neuralgia. And again, if anyone's listening and suffering or knows somebody that's got that, please get in touch with Jess and I will talk to those people. I went to a wonderful man at uh, St. Vincent's Hospital, Dr. Yonkers, and I had the brain operation. The pain that I was in, which was crippling, went immediately. And I have sent some people to him and they've been great results. So if anybody knows somebody, please get in touch. I have no worries about talking to them about it because I tried everything. You might regret that, Nisi. No, I won't. No, I won't because if you have suffered through that... And they do call it the suicide disease because it's a pain that strikes. You don't know when it's going to strike, but it is the worst pain. And so I wouldn't care if, if I was on the phone for three days with people to get them out of that pain. Well, yeah. I remember I would talk to you on the phone and you'd suddenly sort of stop talking because you'd say, it's coming, it's coming, mm-hmm. the pain. And it was awful for me seeing you in that pain. Yeah, well, the boys only told me a couple of months ago that we didn't ring because we could hear the pain in your voice. I did an interview on on the radio and I had to stop in the middle and say, look, can we start again and whatever. Jamie, my almost daughter-in-law, heard the interview that was recorded and rang me at home at six o'clock in the morning because she goes to work early, said, I just heard you on the radio, are you okay? And I said, that was actually recorded about five days ago. And she said, are you all right? And I said, no, I'm not. And that was the day I went to hospital. But yeah, so you could hear it in my voice and I didn't realise how bad it was until I got better and now I'm firing on all cylinders. For me, but <laughs> I'm you I'm an are. eight cylinder. <laughs> 
<laughs> but for me, it brings me so much joy to see you happy and healthy. Yes, it is. It's it's phenomenal. And to live with pain as people do all the time is shocking. It's um it's yeah. So to all of you who've got maybe got a twinge you're out there, I know how you feel. And but you can get through it. Keep your chins up. Your chins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now back to Nisi when you were younger and when you went to Vietnam. How old were you when you went to Vietnam to entertain our troops? I went in September and I was 19 in the December, so I was just a little bit younger than the soldiers that were there that would, had been conscripted and I went with Paddy Newton and the strangers and a lovely guy called Doug Owen and we left and were over there for three weeks. We had to be inducted into the army. We had to be army personnel to go. We got army pay. Yeah, we were over there for three weeks and it was just a wonderful experience and um, so lucky to have done it. And those boys, when they were, they were like gentlemen, you've got to remember it was 1967. These kids were off farms and it's back when they had, a lot of people had manners and they treated us beautifully and wonderfully. Was it scary though? No, we were too young to be scared. So you didn't really think about no, we didn't what fi- was... No, we didn't. We were on stage and there was fighting going on. We could hear it in, you know, over there. And another time we've gone to... So that didn't scare you, though? Because if I heard that, I'd flip out. No, but if you're young, you're invincible and you're surrounded by soldiers and no. And then we went to this jungly part and we were just sitting there and all of a sudden the jungle was shaking. The Vietnamese were shelling where the base was to, so they'd upset their breakfast. But we weren't worried then either. I mean, I can remember going, oh, geez, what's that? But no, nothing about anything could happen. What about when you were performing with Patty Newton and you were backstage and there was a fan? <laughs> it was at Nui Dad and they dug a big bowl out of the earth and it was called the Luscombe Bowl and they used it like an amphitheatre and they used to sit in the tanks on the top, then in their deck chairs down and then there was a stage, you know, that they looked down on but there was no dressing room and so they thoughtfully built a little dressing room and put a fan in because it was so hot. So <laughs> I'm in the dressing room. I'm getting into my leotard and tights and Paddy's there and everything, getting into our sequin thingos and then Paddy hears... She said, oh, my God, is that a helicopter? I said, no, I got my left one, caught the fan. I had no sequins on my left... I'm a sequin leotard. Mind you, a lot of things has happened to this left breast over the years. Well, you've had a number of sort of reduction surgeries, I only had one. They took two kilos off. But before I was having that operation, I had bought myself one of those self-propelled motor mowers. First time I used it, fabulous, you know, because it starts on the first thing and off I go and I'm in seventh heaven. I hit the wall that's made out of stones and I lean the machine back 
not turning it off, which you were supposed to, well, it flew in the air and it caught my left one in the, in the handle. <laughs> and I had, the next day I had all bruises over it. And I rang Dr Southwick. I said, I don't think I'll be able to have that operation. He said, why not? I said, I got my left one caught in the mower. And he said, no, you'll be all right. So I go and have the operation. I'm coming out of the anaesthetic. I said, is everything all right, doctor? And he said, yes, I took off the bruise. Oh. How do they know where to put all the bits back? They're clever. They are pretty amazing, aren't they? Yeah, unbelievable what they can do now. And so talking about your boobs, your body, and one thing that also that we've chatted about over the years is when you've looked at pictures of yourself when you were younger, I remember you showed me a beautiful pic of you in a bikini, grinning. Were you on a beach or something? Yeah. My mental image of myself did not pair up with what I saw. I always thought I was fat, always. And I wasted so much time. I used to get on the scales six times a day and I'd get a piece of chewing gum and chew it for a minute and then spit out the sweet bit and then chew the gum. I was that obsessed. And the thing is, you've seen my body. It was that shape when I was a ballet dancer. So you can imagine the trouble, you know, the poor ballet boys lifting this woman with boobs. (laughs) I didn't last long as a ballet dancer. That makes me sad for you in the sense that you were so, and you still are so beautiful. But those pictures of you as a young woman, you looked like an Amazon. An Amazon? An Amazon, yes. What's an Amazon? Like an Amazon. They're They're muscly. No, but like I think about like an Amazonian woman, like, you know, like strong and beautiful and all of that. Did you have the same photo as I had? (laughs) (laughs) No, but what what I'm going to say to everyone. Well, Wonder Woman. I suppose that I'm thinking Wonder Woman. But the thing is being a dancer didn't help because May Downs, she used to keep an eye on me and check on whether you had a bowel movement. What? Yes, she did. I used to go away to the competitions and stay with her. And so I was made aware of it very early on and it stayed with me. And my mother was very weight conscious and that I went to Silhouette when I was 15. Silhouette was like a weight loss centre. When you were how old? 15. Oh, my goodness. And so I was thin then but with boobs, so you can't do anything about that. So... It wasn't until eight years ago that I gave the scales away. So do yourself a favour because I know what you're like, you people that worry about your weight. Don't stand on the scales. It's not going to make any difference. And when you die and they're looking in the coffin, they're not going to say, gee, she looks great. She's lost so much weight. They're not going to do it. My son gave me a a lecture when I was away because I put my bathers on. I went, have a look at this. He said, Mum, don't start. He said, you're you. People don't care whether you're thin, fat, any other way. You're you and just don't start. And I thought, here he is, he's 40 and he's telling me what to do, cheeky boss. But what a great thing for your son to say to you too. It is. And so, yeah, that's I'm saying that to other people now. Can I say it to you then too? If you want, go on. (laughs) (laughs) You are beautiful, Nisi, the way you are. I feel good. I feel good. And coming up here today, there were four young, oh, they'd be in their 20s, and they went, hello, Denise. And I went, oh, oh, thanks so much. And they said, why? I said, oh, because you're only young. (laughs) (laughs) But you then they saw you and went berserk. (laughs) So that's lovely for me to get young people because, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. 
it's also because you bring so much joy to people. You make people laugh. That's you make it. people just feel. And you have such a kind heart, Nisi. I've known you to call people who are in hospital, who've, yeah, who might that, be in audiences and say, oh, can you ring my mum or my yeah, dad? But or, that takes no time from me, a couple of minutes, and give so much to that person. If you've got the ability to do that, why not do it? That's all I see because they go, oh, I can't believe it, you know. Or even when we're doing tea and coffee or something, oh, she brought me a cup of tea. I love it. I love it. I get more back than I give. You've got to remember that it's selfish. <laughs> oh, but you're a giver. Where does that come from, do you think? Well, mum was the first recycler because in the pub they used to come in with little ornaments and they'd sell, you know, to all the drinkers. And mum used to buy me one, I would say, every couple of weeks. But then she'd come back a week later and she said, there's a little kid down in there and I know the, they haven't got much money. Have you got anything? And so I'd pick something out and it would be given to the kid. And then I'd get something back and then mum a couple of weeks later would do that. And my dad was kind because when we had the chicken bar, there was a, a tram stop opposite the shop. And if he saw an elderly person, he'd take a chair over to the tram stop and leave it there. And when the tram came, he'd go and get the chair. They were both very good, good people like that. Generous of heart. That's where it comes from. Doesn't hurt. When did you know that you were funny, that you could make people laugh? Frank Sinatra was out in 1956 and I was chosen to go up to Stan Freeberg, the comedian that was working, you know, before Frank Sinatra and say, sing all of me, Mr Sinatra. And that was the first time I got a laugh. But probably... In my subconscious, it stayed. But now, going back and thinking about it, that would have been the first laugh. And then I got to do little comedy bits all through the Channel Nine days at the Junior Ballet, and then in the Senior Ballet, I was always given comical stuff to do. Because you are so funny. That, but that's I'm, a big part, I think, of our friendship. Because you bring out my even sillier side, and I love it. But you bring out mine because. <laughs> <laughs> see, as soon as as soon as we see each other, we'll start laughing we and like, nothing's happened. So that's it's joyous. You're joyous. You're a joyous person. I wish everybody had someone or you in in their life. Oh, Nisi. So the world would be a better place. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. You've also said to me that Ernie Sigley, who was your partner in work for many many mm. years, he let you be funny. He did, and he was generous in that way because I'd met him in London when I was with Paddy in, in Oxford Street. He was on one side and we were on the other and we went for a drink. Then when I got back and he was doing in Adelaide tonight, I went over and did a few things for that. Then he was invited over to do the national show in Melbourne tonight. And the first week I did the sketches. So that was great because I'd just come back from England. I had no money. I used to get the tram to work to go and do all these sketches. And then the second week they asked me to do the wheel with him and that was the start of it. But we had, you can't manufacture it. As soon as he started to talk, I knew where he was going to go with it. So you knew what question to ask or how to lead him to it. And the same with me. Now, I got a lot of laughs in that first month. He could have easily said to them, I don't want to work with her, but he didn't. He just let me be me. And if he hadn't have been as generous, I mightn't have had the career I've had now. 
because we worked together for a very long time and some of the stuff we did on stage, look, we would be laughing ourselves, but as soon as we got off, we couldn't remember what we'd said. <laughs> Somebody should have been taping it, but it wouldn't have made any difference because the next time we went on, it would have been completely different again. I don't think we ever said the same joke twice. Really? No. It just came out of us. And how long did you work with him for? I think it was 45 years on and off because we started in the 70s. Yeah. And he was the one who first called you Ding Dong? Yeah, because he had a secretary called Denise Bell. Because of the bell, he said Ding Dong. And I'm really glad because he used to say, you remind me of the Yu Yangs. Well, the Yu Yangs are a mountain range. Referring to my boobs, of course. Oh, what? Yes. He used to say, you remind me of the Yu Yangs. Now, if he hadn't have had that secretary called Denise Bell. (laughs) You could have been called Yu Yang. Oh, look, there's Yu Yang. Some people only know me as Ding Dong. Can you imagine being stuck with Yu Yangs for the whole of your life? (laughs) (laughs) So there was never a time that with being called Ding Dong, you thought, oh, that's a bit sort of of a put down or anything like that? No, no, no. It was started with affection and it said with affection. It's never been anything but that. And I love it. Mind you, there's interpretations of it now from dingers to dongers to, you know, and you call me Nisi, which a couple of really, really good friends do. The kids call me Nisi. Oh, do they? They call me mum. Now, the Logies. You are a legend of the Logies. You've won two gold Logies. How many people? Look, you say that. It was in the 70s. So? If I won one now, now that would be something. But why isn't it something in the 70s? I'm proud of them. I am. But there was a gold logo for a man and a woman back then. Now it's one. So if you put one down to the 70s, I might never have gotten one. Ernie would have got it because he was the star of the show. And then the next year when I got the second one, Gary MacDonald won it. Well, as Norman Gunston. As I mean, Norman Gunston. Hello, couldn't you get two more legendary people? You Yeah, but and if Norman it had been Gunston. one, Norman would have got it. I'm being, what is it? The devil's advocate. <laughs> Oh, I've been there that many times. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I'm very, very proud of them and it was one of the best moments of my life to meet John Wayne who gave it to me. Mr Wayne, there is the card. You have the announcement. The lady is Denise Drysdale. At some stage in your life, everything goes right. This perhaps is my time. There's so many people that come in and out of, your li- out of your life. And to those people that I don't see now that helped me when I was crying a lot, thank you to you. If I can help you at any time, please ring or call. As for you, I didn't know whether to say stick them up or hello. <laughs> And they're in private place in my house. They're not hidden away. Yeah, so I love it, but it is a long time ago. But thank you to the Logie people because because of that, I get an invite every year. And guess who I'm taking this year? I am 
I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going along as your date. I am yeah. literally beside myself. Yeah, We've been fabulous. planning outfits. Well, we were supposed to go at one stage and then COVID hit and it all just blew up in our faces. And so this is going to be a special year. Also, because we have been together at the Logies once before. Yes. And that was such a funny night, even yeah. before we arrived inside the room, oh, Nisi, you- remember? Because you get very hot. I do get hot. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. It was a three-nicker event. <laughs> Let me, I'll fill you in. We're walking do down it. the red carpet and it had been raining. It was in Melbourne. They put out the see-through and it's, roof on. It's plastic. And so it was very humid. Humid, awful. And I'm looking to do the red carpet with you because it can be a bit nerve-wracking doing that red carpet. I turn and it's like, where is Nisi? Where has she gone? And then I see you leaning, lying I was cuddling, actually, (laughs) a marble pillar (laughs) to get cool. Because you were so hot. (laughs) Oh, I was boiling. I was boiling. What are you doing? So I grabbed you and we're walking along. There was some journos interviewing us and some of them were handing out emergency survivor packs for the ladies that had some spare undies in there. So I grabbed them. I said, I know who would (laughs) like these. So we go to the top of the stairs at Crown and we... We go into the bathroom. I give you the undies, and then we. But there was no bins. They didn't have any bins in there. And we came out, and remember the security guard was oh. looking us up and down, going. And he said, you... "Do you want to get rid of that?" And I went, "No, I'll do it. I'll do it. Thanks very much." <laughs> Because he was looking at us in a very suspicious way as we both came out. And you, you're clutching something in your hand, looking for a bin. <laughs> so oh. hopefully this time round you won't be getting quite so hot. No, I might get a fan for under there. <laughs> it does get hot though, doesn't it? It really does. You're suffering heat now anyway. Oh, well, I, well, now that I'm doing my menopause gel and tablets, not so much. But, but now, what have, are they? Because What are they? A gel tablet? A gel, an estrogel tablet that I rub into my arms. And it works. And it works. Have and it also I take a tablet. That? Oh, I have. Oh, that's good. But let's talk a bit more about the Logies, how much it's changed. Like what were some of the – were there some oh. really crazy things that happened? Well, you've got to remember when I think in the 70s, which is when I started to go – and most people were rat bags, and thank God they didn't have all the cameras and everything. So everybody used to get absolutely tipsy. They would, they and there were drinks on the table and da da da, and you know. And then at the back of the television was a smaller thing. There wasn't all the videos and you know shows and everything. And so the tables at the back used to be sold to companies that had advertised on Channel Nine, and. They used to get absolutely whacked. And then there'd be fist fights at the back during the what? middle. Yeah, during fist the fights event. Up the back. And it was hysterical. Anyway, and then now they don't even leave a bottle of wine on the table. It's terrible. You get one glass about every sort of hour and a half if you're lucky. Then they had the, they started that. Then everybody would just disappear from the tables out to the bar that was open out in the foyer. And never come back and in. They never, well, they come back every now and then and then go out again. So now the bar's being stopped. So they're, they're practically locking us in. Anyway, so that's how much it's changed. No, but funny times, funny times because it was, we were lucky. There was a freedom freedom. Now you've got to be careful. Can't even pick your nose. Someone's got a camera. 
Not you, that you want to. You wouldn't be picking your nose. No, though. but not that you want to, but it's that bad, isn't it? They scrutinise everybody and then have a go at everybody. Why can't you all be nice? Stop getting on that thing and saying nasty stuff. Yeah, be say, kind. Mum used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. We could live by that. So true, but exactly. <clears throat> and that's how you live. You talk, though, Nisi, a lot about luck. You always say, I'm lucky, I'm lucky. I am lucky. But you work incredibly hard. I understand that, but so do other people. But they don't get the rewards that I get. I was working for Kodak at one stage and I went out to their factory to do a morning thing. And this lady had just gotten off, I think it was an eight-hour shift. She used to start at 11 and finish at 7, something like that. But her job was moving the in the dark, moving the film, because remember when film you couldn't expose it. She worked in the dark eight hours a night and then she'd go home and cook breakfast for the kids, get them off. Then she'd have a sleep. Then she'd pick up and then she'd do the thing and then she'd do it again. That's hard work. That is hard work. And there are people doing that all the time and even more so now with prices the, the way they are, they're struggling. And so that's hard work. I don't struggle, thank you very much, because you know what? The audience has given me that. Without them, I haven't got a job. And they have been so fabulous over the years, that's what they've given me. And that's a huge reward. And it really is. You give, though, so much to your audience. Is there any way that you could have imagined, Nisi, when you began as a little girl doing ballet lessons that you would now be the age you're at still entertaining? No, no. But it has to do with luck. Because I started dancing at three and a half and was exposed to pantomimes and the people that were starting at Channel 9 and everything, and they always used Maydown's dancers. So I was there. Then I went into the junior ballet. They were aware that you were there. And then consequently, when something came up, They'd go, I'll get her, she'll do it. And then I used to say I'm top of the desperate list because they try and get somebody and they probably couldn't do it. They go, get her, she'll do it. We've got to tie somebody to the railway tracks today in (laughs) Richmond. Get her, she'll do it. I remember being tied to the railway tracks. You know, one of those sketches with the uh, old steam train. (laughs) (laughs) To finish up, what do you think is the silliest thing you've ever done or had to do? When I worked on in Melbourne tonight with Frank Holden, I did a segment every week and they used to try and think of the wackiest things. And when the strip tease with Demi Moore and she came down doing the strip thing, so I'm dressed as in a suit and Demi Moore and we practice it in the afternoon with the pole and then they put the pole outside. I'm up in the sky in the <laughs> studio And I come down the pole, but the pole's cold. I ended up coming down like a monkey instead of going round, which we practised in the afternoon, come down like a bloody chimpanzee and then I tear off the suit and I'm in striptease gear underneath. But everything that was practised, like... (laughs) Nisi, thank you for sharing some of your extraordinary life with us. I love you to be. thanks for being on and continued success with your podcast because everybody loves it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. you Oh, it was fun having Nisi in the studio. But I tell you what, it's really challenging interviewing your best friend because obviously there's so much that I know 
and want to share with you, but I'm protective of it too. So it's a really interesting dynamic when you have that close relationship with someone, but then you're also doing an interview with them. But I hope that you got so much out of that. Now, for more big conversations like this, follow the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show podcast. It means you'll never miss an episode. And if there's someone in your life who you reckon will enjoy this chat, go on, share it with them. And if you love this episode with Nisi, I reckon you'll enjoy my chat with Jenny Key. You know, we spent a really fabulous night together after everyone had gone home and you know, like it was, you do click with people. And I did, I clicked with him. And uh, I have to say that I did click with John Lennon. And, um, you know, he was funny, you know, he was funny and he sang and he, it was just the most gorgeous night. And, you know, like I hadn't been with lots of boys and, you know, and, and there was something sort of very, I don't know, there was something pure about being a first time groupie. Can I say that? <laughs> The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.